Welcome back to Essence Podcast. You are listening to this episode and it is called Breathe. I heard a quote the other week and it says, Peace. It does not mean to be in a place of no trouble or hard work. It means to find yourself in the midst of chaos and be still and calm. To walk through the valley of the shadow of death and breathe because you know you're safe. Now, I promised you guys that I wasn't going to be on this alone for very long and i've been making that promise episode after episode so today i have one of my really good friends my teammates he's a brother um i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let him introduce himself uh hello there um my name is Jan hendrick lawrence like favor said we're we're teammates and good friends at this point um i am from well i was born in south africa and then during my childhood moved back and forth between South Africa and Canada and uh, happened to currently be at Trinity Western University somehow studying psychology, interested in biological psychology and uh, trauma therapy. Um, So, yeah. See, Jan is very introspective. He won't say that out loud, but he is, and it's crazy. Um, Today we're gonna talk briefly about flight or fight. And the fight or fight theory was developed in 1927 by Walter B. Cannon and his graduate student, Philip Bard. Hence, the Cannon Bard theory, which proposes that your amygdala processes what you hear and, hear and see, translating that possible danger to your hypothalamus. Your amygdala processes emotions when it communicates potential danger. Your brain has a stress response to stay and fight the danger or run away. Now, there are four types of fight or flight. The first one is fight. This response may feel like an adrenaline rush accompanied with the desire to defend yourself. Or two, flight. Those that engage in this trauma response cope with the threat by running from or fleeing the situation. People engaging in a flight response often report difficulties with relaxation, sitting still as they're constantly worrying, rushing, hiding, panicking when they feel threatened third one people don't really know about and it's freeze when faced with a threatening situation that tends towards this trauma response unconsciously detach from the situation by freezing or spacing out the body often feels rigid and becomes immobilized by the stress and the fourth one is called fawn those that tend to fawn the response avoid or deal with conflict through people pleasing They also experience difficulties in saying no and are afraid to share what they really think or feel in fear of how others might perceive them. They are also so accommodating of other needs that they tend to ignore their own. If you guys have listened to previous episodes before where I talked about where I got my sense of love, I often fawned in situations that triggered trauma responses. I actually figured this out uh, a month ago because I would find myself in any kind of conflict with people and I would rather do anything possible to stop it even if that means admitting I was wrong or giving them the sense of benefit or the, the win kind of feeling and sit back and let my own kind of thoughts and emotions be subordinate to everything else. Um, I've never been much of a fighter if anything, I thought I was more flight, but I don't really run. I just fawn. Um, yeah, and that's been tough. 
And we're gonna dive into why and how you deal with those things. But a question for Jan is, how do you calm yourself when you enter the state of panic? Um, I think for me, it depends on what kind of panic I'm under. Um, I think that I, to, to think about at least right now or to distinguish between two main kind of panics that I think I experience is either internal emotional panic or um, panic in high pressure uh, performance <coughs> situations like I would say it's where it's rare that I actually enter a situation where my life is genuinely at risk like most of the panic I experience is probably because of rugby at this point yeah in games and dealing with decision making in games and stuff like that yeah so I think one thing that helps me calm myself when I'm experiencing panic is and this is something that's been a slow process for me to learn is to just try to learn to be comfortable in a state of panic and when I experience panic not to try and fight the panic away yeah but instead to understand that I'm experiencing panic and try to well first of all like live my life being aware of the fact that I will often for various different reasons mm -hmm. be approached with things that can be anxiety inducing so have that awareness and then when it happens understand that this is happening and it is okay for it to happen and it's something that I should expect to be happening yeah. and then when I'm in that state of anxiety or panic to try as hard as possible to zoom out and look objectively and to kind of step back and look at what is causing me to have this experience and then just investigating that itself and investigating whether or not there's anything I can actually do right now in the current time to resolve this panic productively or whether or not it's something that is more of a like maybe a long-term thought or maybe maybe panicking because I have thoughts about the future or things that I can't currently control and then just understanding that when I experience that kind of panic it's a matter of focusing on the present and what's currently around me and breathing really helps with me. Um, so panic, like you said, is directly associated with our physiological state mm -hmm. and the way that our body is experiencing um, reality because of the thoughts that we're having and the way that we're perceiving the thoughts and the things that are happening around us. And one thing that we know, not to sound too researchy <laughs> yeah. but breathing um, and certain breath patterns are associated to heart rate and um, 
fluctuation of your stress response and mm -hmm. the experience your body is having so yeah deep long breaths out slow your heart rate down and that slows down your your nervous system mm -hmm. and that calms you down so if it's like if i'm really panicking and it's like i can't really do anything that's going to resolve it it's a matter of trying to find a space or just wherever i'm in to just slow down my breathing breathe out deeply and kind of manifest that i'm okay with a panic and not to just want to really force the panic away yeah it's more of an acceptance as opposed to a fighting response yeah that's a long answer no no yeah. but see it makes sense that you're able to go like in depth into it because a lot of people like you don't know right so then you either just accept the response for what it is and then just live it out but at some point you have to be able to live outside of the response and yeah. don't let it take control of you like for me like it's it's funny you mentioned rugby because like not everyone knows that like we do a whole lot of mental work and yeah. like Stuart, one of our coaches super great coach and julia did a whole lot of mental preparation for us and like the the breathing is the biggest part of it mm -hmm. and what you don't realize is you can take what you learn from calming yourself in sports and apply it elsewhere so like in that where i find myself fawning and just wanting to people please and sit back and just want to avoid all that conflict altogether yeah. if i yeah. breathe i'm able yeah. to deal with it right yeah so it, it's it plays into the next question it's just why is it important to have emotional awareness and intelligence Right, because a lot of those things where if you don't understand your own thoughts or emotions, what triggers you when you're triggered, then you don't know what to do in that response. Yeah. Right. So for you, you're in your own emotional awareness and emotional intelligence. How much of it was like developed because of that trauma response, and how much of it was just because you wanted to better your own personal being? Um, I mean. I think it's definitely a combination of both. I think that without diving into um, anything particularly, my childhood experience and the course of events throughout my adolescence, from my perception, kind of left me either with um, going down the road I'm currently going where I'm um, investigating kind of the my own experience and and my life through a psychological lens and applying uh, what I'm learning through my studies to the things that have happened to me mm -hmm. um, which I'm glad that that is the path I'm currently on but it was to me it was either that or completely falling off any path and just becoming a I don't know what you don't want to become yeah exactly yeah. Who, I, who I would never want to be so I think that the events that happened in my life kind of forced me and conditioned me to have this almost hyper awareness and hyper attention to the things that are around me and this is something I've always been aware of that I just felt like I perceive and experience reality in a very 
complex and analytical matter and this is something that I can't help or control I just can't help but think about everything from different angles mm -hmm. and different points of view so I think that kind of um, set the tone or Push, led pushed it a little bit yeah yeah or if anything led me to the opportunities that I had that allowed me to come to Trinity and start studying this stuff. Um, and then the second part of your question was the emotional intelligence. Oh yeah. Um, what about it? Exactly? Well, cause the awareness is one thing which is like you understand it, mm, yeah. but then yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Dealing with it, your knowledge of dealing right, with it. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, that's something I actually think about a lot because it's something I really struggle with still. Mm -hmm. um, because there is, there is a difference between um, between awareness and actually like implementing behavioral changes that yeah. that kind of deal with that awareness and that reminds me of a quote by Stanley C. Milgram who's a social psychologist and he has a quote that I'm paraphrasing now it's something along the lines of um, it may be true that we are puppets puppets controlled by the strings of society mm -hmm. but at least we are puppets with perception and awareness and perhaps Gaining awareness is our first step to liberation. Um, Sheesh. Yeah. <laughs> Sheesh. So, and I think if we break that down, um, we could maybe maybe you don't believe it's true, but maybe you can pick this this frame or this lens up and look through it. And according to him, it's like the first most important thing is awareness and gaining awareness and becoming aware of the things that need to change but the last part of his quote he says perhaps gaining awareness is just the first step to liberation and the word liberation um, broken down to its core just means change and progress mm -hmm. and evolve and i think that process is still just as important as the awareness um, for me I think that there's a lot of good research that one could do and a lot of good books that you could read about um, dealing with the things that you become aware of mm -hmm. but for myself it's something I still really struggle with because I am still so prone to experiencing negative emotion mm -hmm. and as much as I know and have learned and have progressed in regards to being disciplined in terms of, of mental health and, and doing things that I know enrich me cognitively, I still struggle to do those things consistently enough that I'm satisfied and oftentimes I still experience negative emotion and that doesn't necessarily mean like 
anything extreme. It's just low motivation. Yeah. Not feeling super enthusiastic. Yeah, I get that. Colorful. Not yeah. kind of feeling gray. Like a shell of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what happens a lot <laughs> to me. And I think I think that's probably the, the next biggest challenge for me because I think that kind of is a a defense mechanism mm-hmm. because the first part the first like 16 17 years of my life was just experiencing this crazy reality that left me in a mental state of mm-hmm. of stress and disaster and not understanding myself in any regard yeah and then i'd say over the past five years it's been a matter of becoming aware of so many things and gaining that initial awareness i think right now i'm in this i'm in the stage where i have to take the next step and kind of evolve and become a version of myself that i that i never have been because i now am so aware of things but i think that Perhaps old parts of me um, are all forming a defense mechanism yeah. because because comfort is easier than discomfort. Yeah, see, I'm happy you said that too. And that's such a hard thing to deal with. It's, it's real easy to get comfortable because nobody wants to deal with anything tough. But I'm also happy with the way you, like I was thinking about it the whole time you were talking, at the end of that quote where you talked about liberation, a lot of people look at liberation as freedom, and you can be free, but still be the exact same. So what's the point of being free if you don't change? And like to be liberated, because like for me, like I have a lot of things that I've been free of. Like, like past addictions and things like that. Like I used to heavily be into drugs. Yeah. And like now I'm free of it. Yeah. But it could have been super easy to be free of it for a little bit of time and then something else, right? If I don't change. Right. My mindset doesn't change. Yeah. So like for your, like where you're talking about evolving and becoming and being aware of it, right? You have the steps to get you to that next spot. And I just don't want people to get in that cycle of, oh, I'm going to be free of this, free of that but then not want to change because the work the work is so hard to do yeah. and once you're once you feel like you're free of something you get really comfortable like yeah. once you feel like you're good at something you know like, what more do i have to do exactly and like in our digital film class that we're taking where it was uh you were reading the introduction and i something saw something that said the most geniuses they're constantly learning yeah and like to Never be constantly stopped. learning is like constantly evolving so exactly. it's something that people have to get to and i feel like you're yeah. really you're really getting there and like having people around you like this is why i meant your circle completely matters having people around you that have the same mindset i yeah. want to learn and want to grow yeah, yeah. is only going to benefit you yeah yeah that's definitely true yeah um you don't have to share if you don't want to uh the last question i have for you is do you have any experiences of your flight or flight responses or freezer fawn that you would like to share and then talk about uh even yeah. if it's game stuff yeah, i mean there's a 
there's a lot we could get into there. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, it, I could either relate this to my childhood experience, which would be a, a more in-depth, longer conversation. <laughs> yeah. Or I could pick something that might be more um, easily related to or practical. It's whatever you're comfortable with. Read the question. Let me see the question again. It was, do you have any experiences you would like to share about your flight, fight, fawn, or freeze responses? Mm. There is, there is an experience, um, but I feel like that's very intense subject matter. That's okay. Hey, it's, it's all about what you're comfortable with right also this is more to like because now it's jogged your memory about it right yeah so if all my question does for you right now in terms of you not sharing it is kind of help you analyze that that's absolutely perfect mm -hmm. but if you want to share something else besides that that works as well yeah i mean <coughs> thing is i'm okay sharing um and i'm okay with all the things that have happened to me because i've worked through most of the very intense things um so yeah i can all right i give a brief story, story i don't know if i've ever told you this yeah. uh so after we moved back to canada for the second time we went back to south africa one december and visited my mom this was in 2016. Mm -hmm. And yeah, actually, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, it's, man. It's pretty. That's okay. It's a lot. Yeah. For you to like. Hey, there's a lot more episodes. Yeah. 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 And uh, some things don't need to be put out on the internet. That's for sure. Yeah. So it's okay. Um, we can we can talk about the game because I had a, I had one of those uh, freeze moments, like in the. We were playing yesterday, and so if you, none of you know about rugby, I'm a prop in rugby, so I do a lot of scrumming, hitting, lineouts, things like that, and you don't often see props get picked up in a scrum, and I haven't been picked up in a scrum in a year mm -hmm. and a half, actually maybe two years, and I got picked up yesterday, and I think, I felt like my heart stopped for a second. Like I, I froze, I fully froze because we stopped, I stood up and I looked and like I could hear everyone around me yelling, like stop, like don't walk, get back in the line, move, move, move. And I just kind of stood up and looked and I looked at the guy in front of me and like, I'm not taking away from his ability. He's a great, great rugby player. Like not the biggest dude, but you know, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. But like, it should have been a battle that I was more in instead of getting fully picked up. Like being fully picked up as a prop is probably one of the most de demoralizing things that can happen <laughs> yeah. to you. And all of a sudden I'm looking at my feet being lifted into the air in the ground. My neck's bended over. I'm like, there's no way this is happening. Mm. And after that, I was completely frozen. Like the rest of the game, I think I came out, I was subbed out like briefly right before that. And like I could chop it down to a whole lot of things. Like, oh, I was I was injured a little bit. There was other things I was tired, gassed. But like, my response to being picked up and taken out wasn't fight, right? And it wasn't run away, but I froze. Right. And I, that's something that I, because I haven't had sports like 
impact me in that way. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like in areas where you think you're good, all of a sudden something happens and it's like, okay, never mind. I actually need to do a little bit more work. Right. So I think for me, what I'm going to start doing is a lot more prep work for sports. Cause I think not that I have life down or the control and school and all those other things, but I think I've pushed the general being of sports so far to the side that I haven't worked on my mental game. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm gonna push forward to because I know in the role I'm in, I can't be freezing. I can't have myself like check out of a game yeah. because something crazy happens. Cause crazy things happen all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great point. And I was actually gonna mention this earlier. Um, and, and this is, I think, the hard part is ultimately when something happens that puts you in that state, it is so hard to, I'm going to use the blue and head, the blue, the, the blue and the blue head, red head terminology. Yeah. It's so hard to stay blue headed. Yeah. Blue headed means calm. Red headed means kind of. A little bit out of control or freaking out yeah so the way that we've been learned to think about this through through julia and Stuart, our coaches um uh who base their work off of what they've read and research that they've done obviously not just speculating mm-hmm. um <laughs> that the blue head is associated to using your your cortex which is the, the kind of the outer layer of the brain involved in um, more complex cognitive thinking, whereas the, the redhead is associated to the limbic system, which is tied closer to stress responses and um, regulating uh, life-threatening um, experiences stuff like that that put you in stressful or anxiety induced physiological states um but for me the challenging part is how do we actually get better at this because it's something that i feel like (coughs) i'm struggling with and our and our team is really struggling with and it's really frustrating to me and i've been frustrated especially after the game yesterday and and today thinking about everything like Mm -hmm. we spend so much time focusing on the mental side of things Mm -hmm. and focusing on um, how we can deal with high pressure situations and things that we can do um, to help grow in that area yet when we are in those situations it still seems as though we lose control and we and we just fall back to reacting and I think that it probably is getting better and it will continue to get better over time yeah um, I think that yeah like I kind of said earlier in those situations I think it's important for us to like try to catch ourselves as soon as possible or try to become aware of the state that we're in as soon as possible and then continue to use the tools that we have to 
calm ourselves down and also just understand that it's just a matter of practice and that the games that we play mm-hmm. in and of itself is somewhat of a practice because that's the real deal yeah that's when we actually play rugby and there's something on the line like one thing i was thinking about yesterday before the game and i think i had a better game than i did last weekend against ubc mm-hmm. and i think this is something that helped me is i play the best rugby when i'm at practice yeah when <laughs> It's competitive, yeah. and we're all going super hard, but there's there's, there's not, nothing on the line. Yeah, there's nothing on the line, really. I know that I can be creative, and I can express myself, and I can try things, and I know that it's okay to make mistakes at practice. Um, and so I kind of try to convince myself that that's the mentality I'm going to take into the game yesterday, that the game itself is just another practice but that's just a different kind of practice and yeah there's something on the line but ultimately it's still it's just a game yeah it's just a it's just a rugby game yeah and that it's somewhere where i can still express myself and try things and be creative as a player and know that it's also somewhere where it's okay to make mistakes. And sure, those mistakes are more heavily weighted and they have consequences, but those mistakes don't define my identity as a player. Because that's something I really have been struggling with, yeah. is kind of like low player self-esteem and not having really confidence that I am a good player mm-hmm. um, meanwhile we're on the team we are and we play at a fairly high level <laughs> and we've been playing for a while and we know what we're doing and that we'd probably play a lot better if we just go and have fun because kind of my process before and last season was on game days it's like wake up start with visualization practices start with breathing exercises um watch rugby like just completely do everything possibly that i can that i thought would prepare me but what that did is set such a high expectation for myself that I personally have with myself and then something in the game would go wrong and as a team yeah I'd freak out (laughs) and as a team we wouldn't have the result that we were wanting and then it's like this huge like oh I'm so mad at myself because I didn't I didn't meet this expectation I didn't show everyone what I really can do and it's like it's this huge crazy serious thing where it's like really this should be something that I'm enjoying doing and last season yeah last season was tough for me because I wasn't having fun whereas now I'm still struggling with that because that's what I'm used to Mm -hmm. I'm having more fun because I kind of have a bit more of 
of the attitude that just like, you know what, I'm doing this and I'm in the position I'm in for reasons. Yeah. And that I'm doing this with my best friends and that it's yeah. supposed to be fun yeah. and we're supposed to be having a great time doing it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And Andy and Stuart sat me down after the game, the post game, and they could tell I was, because like, I'm not the most like angry, pissed off person, sad, whatever, and they saw me. You can tell because I'm so expressive with my face. Yeah. They're like, dude, you're not happy. You got hurt. You didn't play that great. Whatever. But it's just a game. Yeah. And you do it because you love it. Yeah. And I think that's something that I forget all the time and that we should definitely remind each other of. And that's what's awesome about teammates is you keep each other accountable in that sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's basically it for this episode. Uh, this is not the last you'll be hearing of Jan. I promise you that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate everyone for listening. Um, Jan, thank you for sitting down and talking. You guys see why I get so weirdly deep with my stuff because this is what I surround myself with, guys like this. So it's pretty awesome. But um, yeah, appreciate it. See you guys on the next episode.